0: All right, welcome to another episode of White Collar Crimes. We show you the only color that truly matters in our criminal justice system is green. I am Ryan Horn, your host. We are certainly glad to have you aboard. You know, most people out there listening are, you know, somewhat probably familiar with American boxing and especially those that are my age and older will certainly know who I'm talking about when I mention Don King. He uh, is, you know, probably the most famous boxing promoter of all time. Of course, like many in that business, he has somewhat of a sleazy, you know, less than reputable reputation. But if I were to mention Rick Elvis Parker, very few of you listening, I'm sure know who I'm talking about, you know, even probably even some diehard boxing fans. And, you know, I've been a pretty big fight fan most of my life. I even dabbled in the amateur boxing some in high school and college and still work out a little to keep in shape with it. And it wasn't till, you know, late years ago, I actually heard about this case, but Parker was a small time, somewhat started out small time, uh, sleazy boxing promoter in the Orlando, Florida area. And he was kind of a, you know, buffoonish cartoonish type character uh you know very showman showmanship like and uh you know that kind of thing just really a character for lack of better words and uh he wanted to get into boxing promoting he said after he met don king at an airport you know and for those of you that don't know don king i'm sure if i mentioned you know it's a guy with the hair that the boxing promoter looks like he you know stuck his hand in a light socket as they say Um, going back to the sixties and seventies, a very big promoter still around now. Um, he's handled, you know, promoted, you know, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, a lot of different, uh, you know, big time fighters. And, uh, Mr. Parker wanted to be this guy himself and he would eventually promote and manage some notable heavyweights at the time. Uh, one by the name of smoking Burt Cooper, Burt Cooper was a heavyweight in the, mainly in the eighties and nineties. He, uh, you know, did not become a heavyweight champion, but I think he fought for the title a time or two and, you know, he was one of those fringe contender types. So, you know, he had some big fights and some big money, so I'm sure Parker was able to make a little bit of decent money off of him. And he also promoted former NFL star Mark Gastineau and more on him a little bit later. But, you know, for those of you that may not remember, Mark Gastineau was a a linebacker for the New York Jets back in the 80s and, uh... Very flamboyant figure as well. Um, for a while, he was married to the actress Brigitte Nilsson. And uh, he decided, you know, a couple of years after retiring from the NFL, that he wanted to give his hand out and try out professional boxing. And more on that, like I said, in a little bit. But uh, when Parker was young, he did so show some signs of having some uh, business savvy. He promoted some various businesses and startups that he did. Uh, some that involved going door to door and launching some of the products that he sold and he was able to uh you know make money off some and you know he did have some business skill but like many white collar criminals he did not use that skill properly and the greed for the almighty dollar ended up being his downfall and taking him down uh He did, uh, like many boxing promoters, you know, as I said a little bit ago, he didn't have the best of reputations. Uh, In fact, a fellow boxing promoter in Florida named Steve Benson said, if you look up scum in the dictionary, there Rick is. So, didn't exactly have a good reputation in a field and in a business that's known for people not to have the best uh, reputations. And, uh, you know, Benson said Parker had threatened him in the past and his wife and family so you know not the most ethical of uh of business people out there but he was uh known to insist that people call him elvis and he weighed well over 300 pounds uh wore loud flashy suits wore a uh red ponytailed wig to cover his head because apparently he was balding as i said earlier just kind of a cartoonish and buffoonish type figure but somehow was taken seriously enough by enough people, he was able to have you know, somewhat of a career as a uh, fight promoter and made some decent money at it. Uh, in fact, he was known to throw very lavish, wild parties and spend up to $2,500 a night on cocaine, which you know, would lead to somewhat of his downfall. Uh, but he saw a chance to make some money promoting uh, Mark Gastineau's fights and, you know, Gastineau, as I said, was an ex NFL football player, decided to try boxing. And they fixed fights for him. We would later find out. He would, you know, uh, we would find that a lot of these fighters took a dive to pad his record because it was discovered that Parker was told if he could get uh, Gastineau's record to 12 0, he could get a big payday fight against George Foreman at the time, the former heavyweight champion. You know, back in the 90s, made a comeback. He would eventually win the heavyweight title back, I remember. But uh, at this time, he was still striving for it. Uh, He'd had a shot at it, and I think he lost to Evander Holyfield, I remember, when I was in high school. And, you know, he was still a big name. Fights carried a lot of money. And Parker knew a fight with him would make a lot of money. Now, I'm sure he knew, you know, Gastineau did not have a snowball's chance in hell against Foreman. You know, he was a football player. And, you know, Foreman's one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. But nonetheless, if he could get his record to that, to be somewhat respectable, they would promote the fight, and it would make a lot of money. So they paid a lot of stiffs, uh, people that had never boxed before. I believe one was a, an ex-professional record. They lied and inflated people's records, got these guys to take a dive, most of them in the first round, um, and they got his record up to you know about ten and zero, and he got really close to that big payday. But then he was matched up with another fighter that Parker handled, a fighter by the name of Tim Doc was his nickname, Anderson. And uh, Anderson was, like I said, he was also promoted by Parker. And he actually had fought George Foreman himself a few years earlier, uh, back in 1987, I believe it was, when Foreman launched his comeback. Uh, Anderson fought Foreman, and he got knocked out in the fourth round. But uh, he had fought a lot of other notable fighters as well at that point. Uh, I believe they said he'd also fought Larry Holmes, another former heavyweight champion. So, you know, he had a decent record. He wasn't great and in the top echelon, you know, like Foreman and Tyson and Holmes and, you know, the fighters of this era. But he was a decent fighter. He was certainly above average. Certainly better than anything Gastineau had been in the ring with. Um, And he was, you know, a pretty good athlete. He was supposedly a... uh, you know college baseball star back in the day and he had uh, actually uh finished a uh a medical program at at a at a college in florida so he was a smart guy i guess you know hence the nickname doc and uh you know like i said he was promoted also by parker and just like uh many of don king's ex-fighters uh Mr. Anderson alleged as well that that Parker had stolen money from him and cheated him out of money. He said uh, to the tune of almost one hundred fifty thousand dollars. So in the nineties, you're talking that's you know pretty good chunk of change. You know right now with gas and food and things soaring to like they are, one hundred fifty thousand dollars soon is not going to be anywhere near what it was at one time. But you're talking about in the early nineteen nineties here, you know, one hundred fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money. And Parker did, uh, you know, he told. Gastineau that uh, he was to get knocked out in the first or second round and uh, you know when this was over he was instructed you know when he would do his post-fight interview he was to tell the news media that you know he had fought Foreman and Gastineau and Gastineau hit just as hard as Foreman which is laughable anyone that knows anything about boxing would know that's just not possible you know Foreman is, you know, one of the hardest in, in some instances by some boxing experts considered to maybe be the hardest punching heavyweight ever. You know, that's a debate that probably could never be settled. But nonetheless, an NFL player like Mark Gastineau that had very limited boxing experience not likely to pack that kind of punch. But to sell tickets, that's what Anderson was instructed to say after he was instructed also to take the dive. Well, to his credit, Anderson was... You know, a man of honesty and integrity, and he refused to do so. And he refused to take the dive, and he easily beat Gastineau in a lopsided, one-sided, six-round decision. And this was on national television on USA Network. And some of you that are out there my age might remember they used to have the Tuesday night fights uh, boxing on USA Network. Used to love that. I think he even had some fights once in a while. I believe it was ESPN had them on Thursday nights back then. You know, this is back when boxing was on a lot of free TV. Used to see it on the uh, wide world of sports on Saturday and things like that. But a lot of people saw this fight. You know, it made national news because, you know, Gastineau did have name recognition, if anything. You know, he was a former NFL star, you know, married to an actress at one time. So he didn't fare so well after fighting nothing but stiffs that took dives, you know, for these first 10 fights. This was a challenge, somebody that was actually hitting him back and somebody that knew how to fight. Uh, I think they said at that point Gastineau had never been past the second round and you know Anderson took him the six round distance and just easily outboxed and you know took him you know to the mat and this destroyed Parker's chance for a big payday and he was reported to be very enraged about that and he wanted revenge somehow he did manage to score a rematch at the end of the year in December 1992 in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma and Anderson said his trainer never showed but strangers were hired to work his corner that night. Probably should have been his first indication something was wrong, but he nonetheless went through with the fight. And he said he brought a water bottle and gave it to him that he wanted to use in the ring, but that never made its way to the ring. And instead, while he was standing in the ring waiting for Gastineau to come in, he was given cups of water. And later... As the fight went on after the first couple rounds, he said he reported getting very, very dizzy, very sick. And gastino was able to knock him out with a left hook. And Anderson said he went back to his the locker room, began vomiting in a very large trash can, and that was the last he remembers. He passed out, he said later to be discovered by the janitor, about 3 o'clock in the morning on the concrete floor there in the locker room. And he was rushed to the hospital. Uh, Anderson did, after I think a couple weeks, finally get to go home. But friends and family would say he was never the same. He never recovered from this. He would continue to vomit. He would black out, bump into walls. All he said he was able to do really was just lie in bed and, and watch TV and movies. And doctors said the problem was, without knowing what he was poisoned with, because it was you know, very much believed, he believed, and you know, it was very easy to believe that he was he was poisoned with something and doctors said without knowing directly what that was they would not be able to treat him and you know he had confronted Parker about this Parker denied it of course and you know continued to threaten him but unable to box Anderson kind of lost his livelihood you know that's what he did for a living and he was physically unable to do this and thankfully he had friends and family that were able to, to lend some support but nonetheless, he lost his, his livelihood, and that's always tough for a guy. When a man loses his livelihood, you know, he loses all, you know, feelings of self-worth, self-worth a lot of times and, you know, just a lot of stress, you know, a lot of pressure. When you don't have any money coming in, life can be quite stressful. But he decided that uh, he wanted to sue Parker, and again, Parker continued to threaten him. He said, uh, you know, threaten him and his sister. And he began to threaten him because word gotten out that Anderson was going to write a book, kind of like a tell-all book. And he was able to convince Parker that he would pay him forty-five thousand dollars so he could interview him and get his side of the story. And that they would meet in a Orlando, in an Orlando area hotel. And surprisingly, Parker agreed to this, probably because of the forty-five thousand dollar offer. But that should have been probably his first clue that something wasn't right. That why Anderson or that why Parker was wanting to do that and he made up the arrangements for him to like I said meet at the hotel and Anderson went out and bought a gun so this would later you know unfortunately for him probably kind of prove a motive so to speak but he uh, he went out and bought the gun they later met up and they had the interview and it didn't go well they argued Back and forth on some things. Anderson said that uh, Parker had threatened him a lot during this time and threatened his sister. Apparently, Anderson's sister, I believe, was wheelchair-bound, had a lot of uh, you know health problems, which really put a lot of stress for Anderson to have to worry about her. Now, he said he did not remember. He said he sort of blacked out, Anderson said, but he did not remember shooting Parker. But he had a thirty-eight and he shot Parker dead and at age 39, Parker was dead. I believe he left behind one son, but, you know, lived life in the fast lane, so to speak, ripped off probably other fighters other than Anderson, lived very high, you know, partying lifestyle. They said a lot of booze, a lot of drugs, prostitutes, just kind of lived on the edge, you know, was a glutton anyway, you know, grossly overweight, everything like that. But like I said earlier, sadly, he had some business skills that if he just would have put them to the right way honestly he could have maybe become a truly successful boxing promoter and and maybe at other business ventures he branched out into but his greed for the almighty dollar just you know destroyed him not only did it get him killed but you know very much harmed his reputation while he was alive here on earth as i said uh, mr benson the other fight promoter in his area said you know again you know what he said about him you look up uh I believe what was it uh said, if you look up scum in the dictionary, there he is, yeah. And that's, you know, that's what he said about Parker. But at 39, he was dead. And again, Anderson said he didn't remember doing this. But once he came to, he tried to take his own life with this gun. Supposedly, uh, it had some jams or malfunctions. I'm I'm not sure, because at 38, it shouldn't have really jammed or had any issues. But nonetheless, he wasn't able to go through with killing himself. And he... uh, ends up getting charged with murder and going through trial in Florida. Now he testified and they said it was very sad almost to see he had, you know, become kind of almost like punch drunk and incoherent, very hard to understand, a raspy, very difficult to understand voice, had really discontinued to decline. Whatever he was poisoned with he just likely never did recover. You know, of course that could be, you know, coupled probably with the fact that some of the blows he took to the head during a career he had quite a few fights and as I said earlier he fought some pretty big names at one time so that could have played a role into it as well but he was sentenced um he was convicted of first degree murder and he was given a life sentence you know in Florida fortunately for him I guess he wasn't given the death penalty because Florida does have a death penalty and you know they do you know fairly frequently carry that out um but he admitted, I guess, he was at peace with it. He was going to try to just live the best of the rest of the life he had, you know, attending Bible studies and being a model prisoner and things of that sort. And He did say, though, that, you know, he kind of regretted getting into boxing and wishes he just would have stuck with baseball. Apparently he was a, you know, prospect. Not only did he play in college, but, you know, Anderson had some, you know, people at least looking at him for a possible career someday in the major leagues. Who knows how differently his life would have come and would have gone had he decided to do that but I have no doubt Parker probably based off what I've seen about him you know Elvis there as he liked to be called would would have met his demise somewhere else one way or other but nonetheless he did you know meet his demise at a very young age at only 39 he was murdered and you know a career cut short which Again, had he not been murdered, I have no doubt he probably would have ended up in prison or something like that, you know, with the money he was alleged to have stolen and different things that he uh, did, you know, in his career and, and, you know, messing around with drugs and prostitutes and things like that. I'm sure it was a matter of time before he would have met a demise, but nonetheless, he did meet it. And again, it was all brought around by that greed for that almighty dollar. And that was the bottom line that motivated him to push a fight between, you know, to try to get a fight between Gaston and Foreman that should have never taken place. And again, when Anderson crashed his dreams on that, he, he got his revenge. Of course, it did end up costing him his life. But in the end, it's just sad. There really is no one that that came out on top in this, this debacle in this case. Very sad case. Again, a lot of you probably haven't heard of this. I knew, you know, a lot of you are probably familiar with Don King and some of the others, but I would say only probably the most Devoted fight fans have probably heard of this case, but now you have. And we've got some other cases coming up. We're going to talk a little bit more about some corruption cases that have happened in the medical industry. Maybe some other sports ones here are coming up. And like I always say, we do certainly appreciate you tuning in each week to our show. You can follow us on our Facebook page, White Collar Crimes. You can donate to us if you like there is a link on our anchor fm page that is the hosting site for this podcast and we certainly appreciate that if you donate helps us keep this show going but as i always say if you just tune in we appreciate that the most we appreciate you listening and you know we've continued to gain listeners which is exciting and you know we continue to gain them from all over the world which is exciting and again yeah follow us on facebook you uh And check out also my website, ryan-horn.com. If you're ever in need of any voiceover services or acting services of any kind, I do that as well. And, uh, you know, we're just glad to have you aboard. Hopefully that you'll be able to continue to tune in and support us. And as always say, support your local pet shelter. Your next best friend is waiting on you there. In fact, uh, when I uh, end this broadcast, within the next couple days, I'll be picking up our next foster puppies, which I think might, what I've been told, be Yorkie pups, which are usually totally adorable. So check out the Facebook page for that, maybe some on that a little bit. And, uh, you know, again, your next best friend's just waiting for you there to be adopted and give you a life of uh, love like you have never known before. And so, yep, follow us on Facebook. You know, check out the website, ryan-horn.com. And, yep, check us out each week on Spotify, Anchor, Uh, Apple podcast wherever you do hear your podcast you should catch us here and we appreciate you having having you aboard each week and hope you continue to support us and continue to look out a lot of scams a lot of scammers out there the reason we got to look out for each other and continue to do so and hope we will uh, see you back here again next week God bless and take care everybody